in the past year, uh, two years, with all of the agencies collecting travelers to send to hard-hit areas of the pandemic around the country, they've been specifically recruiting medical surgical nurses as a specialty because that's what the hospitals needed. Those are the vacancies they needed to fill. So there's a lot of traction out there. I think we just need to communicate more about it and be open to having the discussions. Hello and happy Nurses Week, everyone. In honor of Nurses Week 2022, today's episode is a conversation about the specialty of med-surge nursing as a long-standing mainstay of acute patient care. Let's talk all about it with Terry Hinckley, Chief Executive Officer, and Summer Bryant, President of the Board, both of the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses, right here on episode 369 of The Nurse Keith Show. Again, happy Nurses Week 2022. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is always about you, your personal and professional development, your nursing career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education ideas, very frequent diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people out there. I love having you along for the ride. And I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you want to help other people find the show, please consider leaving a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, any other podcast app you use. I'd really appreciate it. It really helps keep the show in people's ears and more and more people finding it along the way. And if you head over to nursekeith.com to the podcast drop-down menu, you'll find the show notes for this episode. Again, we're number 369, and we're here with Terry Hinckley and Summer Bryant of the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses, also known as AMSN. And thank you both for being here. And Terry, I want to start with you as um, the chief executive of AMSN. So what is it about medical surgical nursing that you think it's most important for nurses to understand? Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here with you today. And anytime that we have the opportunity to talk about med surge as a specialty, we we welcome and, and uh, come running for that conversation. So I think one of the things that I really wish there was a greater understanding or appreciation of is, first of all, the fact that med surge is a specialty and has been for several years, decades, in fact, um, but also just the value that it brings not only to the healthcare system, but also to the individual nurse coming out of school most frequently, but not always, um, and building and actually synthesizing the nursing school knowledge that they've gained the clinical experience that they have and putting it all together and really rounding out their practice and their ability to grow in their nursing career. Mm -hmm. And we often think of MedSurge as the place where many nurses start out. That's where they first get their first job. Many nurses anyway, not everyone. And that's where they sort of cut their teeth in a way, right? So most certainly. And I know I can speak when I graduated uh, in the late 80s, which sounds so incredibly long ago, but feels like yesterday. Um, it really was the expectation was that you were going to go to med surge before you went anywhere else, before you could even apply. They wouldn't even consider you for another specialty area until you had that time. And I think a lot of sort of the perception that it's where you start and 
um, bounce from to something more exciting sort of comes from that background and that perspective. Um, we personally believe that you can have a fulfilling career in med search nursing, and we certainly have a lot of members and certificates those that hold our credential through the Medical Surgical Nursing Certification Board that have made their careers in med surge. Um, we also see some come back, quite frankly. I've myself worked in the intensive care unit in the emergency department, and I've worked with colleagues that are like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the excitement. I'm going to sort of go back to med surge. I'm, I'm done with the machines. I don't like the technology. I'm going to go back to med surge where I can actually talk to patients and um, prepare them for discharge, get to know their families, get to know them in a deeper and, and in some ways more meaningful way. So we certainly have seen a, a wide variety of experiences with med surge. And I think especially when you have nursing shortages and nurses are able perhaps to go directly into specialty areas, and we know that they're eager to do so, um, they miss in my opinion, they miss a great opportunity, having that opportunity to work and start in med search. Mm, yeah. And how about you, Summer? Um, what was your intro into med surge and then becoming part of AMSN? You know, what, what drew you into this particular area? I have kind of, I think I have a funny story about this and um, thank you also uh, for having us. I agree with Terry that this is a lot of fun. Um, so you know, in nursing school, um, I was going through all the clinicals. I had no idea what specialty or what area I wanted to work in once I graduated. And so I was going through all of them with an open mind. Um, I realized pretty quickly that pediatric patients didn't get my dry sense of humor. Hmm. So that probably wasn't going to work out. Um, I didn't love the ICU because I couldn't talk to people. They were usually on machines. And a lot of times there wasn't family to engage with, or they were just so stressed out that it, it was not a good fit for, I guess I can look back on it now and say it wasn't a good fit for my personality. I don't think I knew that then. I just knew that when I got to my medical surgical rotation, it was the most fun and engaging. Um, I was never bored. I saw so many different types of patients. I felt like I learned the most in that clinical. Um, I was on a true med surge unit um, and they had all sorts of surgeries and procedures that I hadn't ever seen before. And so I was 100% on board with med surge once I graduated and I did get a job. My first job was on an orthopedics um, ENT surgical or urology surgical unit. So I learned all, like, I learned all of the body parts <laughs> and took care of all those kinds of patients. And we saw overflow from other areas too. Um, and I did that for, I think two or three years. And then, you know, I thought I needed to do something else because you don't just stay in medical surgical nursing the rest of your career. Um, so I actually went into the periop area for a year or so, maybe a little over a year, but med surge kept calling me back. And so I went back to that, the unit that I'd actually started on. And then I started to grow in the leadership ranks, if you will, doing charge nursing. And then I eventually became nurse manager um, of a trauma general surgery unit. And I did that for a long time, which it was one of my favorite roles, most challenging, but um, a lot of fun. And then along the way, I was introduced to AMSN. It was probably in the early 2000s. So not the 80s like Terry, but a long time ago anyway. And um, I was looking for resources to become certified in medical surgical nursing. And so that's where AMSN came along for me. Um, I studied and used the materials and passed my CMSRN exam. 
And then um, I found other opportunities along the way to join task forces. Um, you know, AMSN was kind enough to give me the clinical leadership award, I think in, I won't get the date right, but uh, 2000, it was between 2008 and 2011. And then once I received that award, they kept recruiting me for things. So I really couldn't get away. And eventually I became a member of the board and then have been serving in the president role for a couple of years now. Mm. See, they give you an award and then you're like, oh, I can't, That's right. I can't get away. It's like a golden lasso or something. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Terry likes that. She's like, yeah, we. Yes, I, yes, we will freely admit that. But, you know, Keith, really, and it's no different than in anything else in life, right? When you find your stars, then you do everything that you can to sort of have them continue to be able to work with you and, and serve the organization. Mm-hmm. So we're so grateful for Summer. And Terry, I have a question for you. In terms of the hierarchies within the nursing profession, you know, we often hear, Well, I've talked about on this show how the word just is a four-letter word in nursing. Like you say, I'm just a home health nurse. I'm just a Mm -hmm. med surge nurse. I'm just a nursing aide, you know, whatever. That that way of diminishing the importance of what we do is, you know, it's it doesn't help anyone, right? Right. It kind of kind of dims the light in a way. You know, it's like hiding your light under a bushel, right? To get a little biblical. So what about med surge and the hierarchies within the profession and in terms of specialties and who sees what as being most important or most most the most powerful specialty, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think that we all will admit or recognize that. First of all, acute care nurses are highest on a perceived hierarchy mm-hmm. over community nurses, home health nurses, um, research nurses, or any other practice setting that a nurse might be in. And then even within the acute care setting, though, I think that there's a prioritization of critical care, uh, ICU, eMERGE, coronary care. You know, and again, depending on the institution, you might have yeah. several intensive care unit or critical care units. And then, you know, it sort of goes down from there. And I think at, um, and I actually watched a a brilliant video and I'm going to forget the nurse scholar that did it. um, And I will apologize in advance for that. But she was talking about how um, rehab nurses within the hospital setting are sort of at the bottom and right above them, close to the bottom is med surge. And then you sort of go up from there. And I think that that really, I was so disappointed. It's well articulated and she's not wrong. I, I will, first of all, say, I think it's completely accurate, but I, I was so profoundly disappointed because it takes all of us to make a healthcare system, right? We can't all want to do the same kind of nursing. There, there would be, you know, all of the nurses would be in the intensive care unit and there'd be nobody else elsewhere. So I think that, and I'm grateful that there are nurses that will work in practice settings that I had no interest in working in. So like Summer, I love children. I no more wanted to take care of sick children than I, you know, I, there was just, I couldn't think of very few things I wanted to do less. So pediatrics certainly wasn't for me. Um, psychiatric nursing was not 
um, an area that I enjoyed, but I was so incredibly grateful for the nurses that did enjoy that and chose to do that. So I think that we have to recognize and embrace that we all have our space and that we're all valued and respected for making the choices that we make. And, you know, anecdotally, we've heard, we've heard from members within AMSN that they feel like they have to get out of med surge as quickly as possible, if they even have to go there to begin with, because that's where, to be frank, the not smart nurses have to go. You know, the the analogies or the, the stories we've heard out of schools of nursing have been, well, if you don't do well on your exams, if you don't get a good grade point average and you don't do well on your NCLEX, you're going to have to go to med surge as if it's a punishment mm-hmm. um, rather than something to be embraced and enjoyed as a learning opportunity. And like I said earlier, Keith, I think there's no better place, to be honest, than to synthesize all of the knowledge and emerging clinical skills that you learned in school and be able to solidify mm, them. Yeah, well said. And and Summer, for you, I wanted to ask you, we don't, I, I perceive that we often don't think of med surge as a specialty, right? It's more what what Terry was just sharing, sort of like the place you go. Um, it's like where bad nurses go or something. Um, so what does it take or will it take to increase the actual relative legitimacy of med surge that we can just see it as something that some nurses choose to do and some do it for a long time. Some choose to make it their actual specialty where they get certified how do we move the needle or what are you all actually doing to move the needle on that? So I think starting and talking with folks like you is one way that we can um, start to have the dialogue. I don't think we necessarily talk about this very much. It's not always a comfortable subject to talk about when a lot of times if you talk about it, you may be perceived as playing the victim and that is not where you want to go and it's not going to um, change the narrative, if you will. Um, but I would look to some of the ways and places where med surge is really already legitimized. Um, if you think about if a patient's telling a story or a consumer's telling a story about being in the hospital, they say they're nurse. They tell a story about a nurse. They almost never say where that nurse worked or what area. Or they, you know, this nurse was with me all night and I was in pain and they helped me. Well, we need to just embrace that that could have been on a med surge unit and most likely was because almost every patient spends time in a medical surgical setting sometime during their hospitalization because you have to get out of those higher levels of care to progress towards discharge. Um, so it's, it's legitimate because it's very important to the healthcare organization or system that patients are cared for in those areas, cared for well and not transferred back to a higher level of care and discharged safely. And really that's what the med surgeon nurse does is move that patient toward, through that transition of care very effectively. Um, and I think that we've also started to see some of that legitimization 
you know, when I um, left the hospital and moved into the role that I have currently working with a healthcare consulting company, they sought me out because I was certified in medical surgical nursing and saw me as a subject matter expert to go into other organizations and help them Hmm. um, change practices and improve processes as an expert in the medical surgical field. So um, I think sometimes in, in the nursing profession, we can be our own worst enemy. And um, it's up to us to start really embracing, as Terry said in the beginning, all of us are trying to do our best and to take care of those patients that are in our care and move them through our system. And if we work together, we can do so much more than if we don't. Um, Another tidbit that I always talk about or think about when I'm wondering if med surge is really a specialty or not, of course, I believe that it is, but when you look at floating to other units in the hospital, ICU nurses never float to med surge because they can't take care of more than two patients in general. But a med surge nurse could go to the ICU and do lots of tasks and maybe even take a patient that's been downgraded but hasn't transferred off the unit. You know, we have throughput issues in lots of hospitals. Um, a med surge nurse could go to the ICU and take care of two or three or four patients that aren't ICU status anymore. But you would wouldn't see that on the opposite side. You wouldn't see an ICU nurse going to med surge and taking four to six patients because their skill set's just much different because they are a specialty of themselves and have, you know, used that um, skill set that they have. Um, and then, you know, and Terry can help me fill in this story, but mm-hmm. in the past year, uh, two years with all of the agencies collecting travelers to send to hard hit areas of the pandemic around the country. They've been specifically recruiting medical surgical nurses as a specialty because that's what the hospitals needed. Those are the vacancies they needed to fill. So there's a lot of traction out there. I think we just need to communicate more about it and be open to having the discussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks. And Terry, that, that level of legitimacy that really seems to be the operative word to have people embrace it as something that's worthy, you know, is, is important. And just yesterday I was speaking to a group of undergraduates at a university on the East coast. And I was telling them that, you know, not everybody can and wants to do the perceived sexy things, trauma, flight nursing, critical care, ICU, ER, like not everybody wants to. And like you said, I also said the same thing. We can't have everybody doing those things. We need hospice nurses and school nurses and camp nurses, you know, and we can't look down our noses at people who choose to do school and camp nursing. I mean, they're taking care of children, many of whom can be quite sick actually, and maybe in a wheelchair with a trach and a G-tube, you know? (laughs) So it's that notion of of just looking at everybody as having something to contribute. And what, in terms of AMSN, the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses, is, is that their mission just to make this, this specialty seen in the eyes of everyone as equal and, and just it's a legitimate thing that some nurses choose to do? It certainly is a large part of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, we we feel 
primarily we focus on supporting medical surgical nurses wherever they practice and making sure that they have the tools and resources that they need to be successful and um, excellent nurses. But certainly as the professional association representing MedSurge, a large part of our messaging and what we're trying to promote is this legitimacy. We really want people to recognize all that MedSurge offers as a potential place to work for your entire career, as a great place to start your career and solidify those clinical skills, as we mentioned earlier. But also, even if you don't ever step foot in MedSurge, which would really be unfortunate from my perspective, as long as there's a recognition that, yeah, there's there certainly is an important part of healthcare that's filled by MedSurge nurses. So one of the things that we've really focused on in the last 12 to 18 months is, is the notion that med surge is what you practice, not where, because we feel that the system, the, the healthcare system has almost set up this um, practice setting differentiation between nurses that wasn't there previously and might not be there in the future, to be quite frank. I mean, we're going to see a lot more of the care taking place outside of hospitals. We're going to see um, sort of a flattening of hospital structures. We're going to see, uh, I had a really interesting and compelling discussion with someone, again, to Summer's point about the pandemic and the change that it's driving was the recognition of the need for medical surgical nurses that you could then flex into practice settings, depending on the most need at a point in time, they are the most able to flex up and down into different areas, depending on needs. And there was a great recognition during the pandemic of that fact. And I think in some institutions, a greater appreciation to Summer's point about med search nursing. So I think we try and focus on where's healthcare going to be in three years and what are our nurses going to need to be successful in that system. And part of it is um, the legitimization of it, but also the recognition that guess what? You might be working in an emergency department or an intensive care unit. You're practicing med surge. There are very few practice areas in nursing that aren't embedded and foundationally tied to the practice of med surge. What changes is the acuity or the, the level of sickness of the patient. And that's what makes them require intensive care, progressive care over clinical care on the unit. So um, with the exception of psychiatry and obstetrics, pretty much everything else is med surge at a space. That's a really really interesting point. Thanks for, thanks for elucidating that. And when we come back in the break, I'd like to talk about both of your, your own career histories, like how you've gotten to where you are and where you think the profession is headed. Like you just mentioned, Terry, and what it means to, to be a leader. I just see you both as people who've really stepped up into leadership within the profession. I'd like to just talk about what that means to you and why why embracing leadership is so important. So when we come back from the break, um, we'll continue the conversation. So stay right with us for the second half of the Nurse Keith Show, episode 369. So now we're gonna take a pause for the cause for just a moment. 
please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again with friends of the pod, Terry Hinckley and Summer Bryant of the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses, also known as AMSN. And before the break, we were talking about legitimizing this as an actual specialty that many nurses just don't see it as one. They see it as just some stepping stone and something that's almost like a punishment, but not uh, sort of the the grounding where all else occurs. And Terry, right before the break, you were talking about how it actually, a lot of the nursing that happens in acute care actually is med surge. It's just layered on top with whatever else is happened to be going on where things become more acute or more dire or more more intensive. So I, I liked how you characterized that. So Terry, I want to ask you about your history and you know what what's been the what's the narrative arc of your career? How would you describe it? So I think that the narrative arc of my career, if I had to summarize it in a couple of words, has been embracing curiosity and opportunity. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So I did start as a medical nurse. I worked on a general medicine cardiac unit when I graduated from nursing school. And I worked there for approximately two years. And then I went to the intensive care unit. I was one of those nurses that um, wanted to go and see about that, you know, um, critical care setting and, and um, do my best to kind of save lives every day. And, and I loved it. I really truly did. I loved it and embraced it. And then I actually ended up settling in the emergency department because I kind of like that unpredictability. I loved never knowing what was going to come in the door and needing to be ready for anything at a moment's notice. And I did that, um, right up until actually just a few years ago. Um, I finally stopped my PRN status just a few years ago, mainly because all of my professional nursing experiences in Canada, I'm from Canada and I had moved down to the U S in 2013 
And for about four years, I continued to work casually at the hospital that I'd always worked at in the Toronto area, but it was just getting harder. I mean, it's really hard to do PR and nursing in a different country. So I finally realized. I just want to interrupt for American nurses, casual means sort of like PRN per diem. Exactly. So it just, it was getting too difficult to be able to do it with any regularity. So uh, I begrudgingly gave it up, but I, I loved clinical nursing. I loved it. Mm. I still loved it. Love it. I miss it. But in addition, I also had the opportunity to go into uh, pharmaceutical research. So I did nursing. Um, I actually started as a nurse administering pharmaceutical, new pharmaceutical products to um, patients and really enjoyed that. And so I sort of followed a trajectory up through the leadership path. And um, then I got Uh, an invitation to move down to the States and work for my first professional association um, as a staff person in, in a research uh, professional association. So I did that and loved that and did that for not quite five years. And then the job at AMSN was available. And I thought, what a perfect opportunity to leverage all of my background, my nursing background, my professional association background. And I've been with AMSN for about five years now. But the thing is, that sounds like a bunch of career changes, but it really wasn't. They were all grounded, first of all, in my nursing expertise. But I just, I sought out opportunities to explore other practice settings and places to have an impact. And um, I highly recommend, you know, and would recommend for any nurse that they also consider anything outside of the acute care setting if they're looking to expand their skills because it was for me a fabulous way to learn it sounds like a great history it sounds varied and interesting and you let your curiosity guide you it sounds like a really great narrative arc of your your career and summer what what's what's yours been like what kind of path have you traveled so um like I said a little bit in the, earlier in the podcast is I, I started my career in medical surgical nursing, and then I tried really hard to rebel against it for about a year and a half to two out, two years and um, worked in the periop area. Um, as far as leadership goes though, um, I'll backtrack just a little bit. Um, so on my med surge unit, when I, I would say I'd been off orientation for a couple of months Um, So I was probably five or six months out of nursing school and I had already started to assume the charge nurse role. And that's earlier than a lot of people would have done that. But um, uh, for lack of, there there weren't many other options at that point in time, (laughs) but I also enjoyed that role. And um, it seemed like the team enjoyed me doing that role and they were supportive and helpful along the way to some of the more seasoned nurses that didn't want to charge helped me do it. Um, but that was my first foray, foray into um, nursing leadership. Um, and then I was, you know, tried hard not to be a med surge nurse for a little bit and went back to school and started working on my master's degree. Um, and I actually was, you know, I was going down that road to become a nurse practitioner that seemed like the next step that a lot of people were taking at that point in time. But I started doing some of those clinicals and I realized, well, I don't want to do this every day. I'm just going to go sit in a clinic and do the same thing over and over and over again. So I actually switched. I switched to the uh, nursing leadership or organizational leadership track. So that's what I got my master's degree in. 
And mm. um, along that same time frame, a permanent charge nurse position had opened up and I started doing that while I was finishing my, up my degree. Um, and, you know, along the way, I started to also volunteer with AMSN. And I didn't have leadership roles in AMSN at first. I was just on committees and that was totally fine because I had plenty of other things going on. Um, but towards the end of my master's degree, um, the nurse manager position opened up and I was asked to apply for it or encouraged to apply for that position. Um, I would say a lot of my leadership um, opportunities came from saying yes to people just saying, hey, you should do this or think you'd be good at that and saying yes to those opportunities when they came along. So I always tell people, don't be afraid to say yes, even if you think it's not something that you would want to do. Um, saying yes instead of no has really shaped my career and um, given me opportunities that I didn't think I would have had otherwise. I, I never imagined in nursing school that I'd be president of a national organization. Um, but saying yes along the way, now I've gotten to be president of AMSN and lead all of these nurses through their careers and help advocate for them. And um, that's been one of the highlights of my career. And it's also taken me all over the country and the world um, to talk about medical surgical nursing. That's great. Yeah. My, my friend and mentor, Donna Cardillo, she's, um, she's a well-known nurse and speaker and humorist, and she'll be on an upcoming episode. And she tells stories about saying yes. When someone asks, Hey, are you able to, you know, do this or that? And she's like, sure. Yeah. And we, we joked recently talking about you know, you never say yes if you don't know how to do a clinical skill. You don't say yes to that. Like you don't say, yes, I know how to change a trach when you've never done it before. But other things, like if someone says, hey, could you lead this group or could you take on this project? You say yes. And it just, you draw the line of clinical skills. You always tell the truth about where your clinical, where you're lacking in terms of clinical Very skills. good distinction. <laughs> good distinction. But any other opportunities... You, like you want to serve on a committee would you like to be involved in this project would you like to you know step up and be president or whatever and you, you just say yes and then then you panic when you get home and you figure right. out how you're going to do it when i think that i think the point that i'd like to add on to what you're both saying because i couldn't agree more is i think we have to do a a i think it's on us to invite people because i don't think that people necessarily see their own capability. Um, mm -hmm. But when they're invited, it's easier to say yes than to say, I think I'm a good fit for this and I'm going to apply. So yeah. I, I love inviting people to consider, you know, have you thought about, we think you'd be great, you know, please apply to be on a committee or we think you would be great. Please consider applying to be on the board of directors because it actually shows people that others see the capability in them. And I think that's mm. so important. Yeah. And speaking of leadership, um, Terry, you're involved in the Nurses on Boards Coalition. And I am. I, I'm on several boards and I'm on the board of the National Nurses and Business Association and the um, New Mexico Nurses Association. And the Nurses on Boards Coalition is all about encouraging nurses to get on the boards of organizations, whether they're nursing related or not, because we need nurses represented everywhere. And like I say, we need them and we need more nurses in Congress. We need more, more nurses in state houses. You know, we need them everywhere. So when we have those opportunities and we can say yes to 
inserting ourselves into various conversations, I think it's um, it serves us well to to do that. And I think and, it's perfectly aligned with the future of nursing 2020-2030 report, which mm-hmm. is really focused on health equity. I think there's yes. no one better than a nurse to serve on every single board that exists to try and embed those social determinants of health in abs- absolutely every aspect of, yeah. of life. So, yeah, I agree yeah. with you, Keith. Yeah, and that report is so focused on social determinants of health. I interviewed someone about it a few months ago, and um, we talked about that. And, and the social determinants are sort of what it all kind of comes down to in the end. And do you agree, Summer, that that's kind of where where we need to head is is looking at those inequities and looking at ways in which we can level the playing field for people and 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 help patients receive the care they need and nurses to do the work that they're meant to do? I absolutely think it's vitally important now. Mm-hmm. It also seems daunting because there's so many healthcare issues and hurdles to overcome, but who better than nurses who understand that system and have access to the patients to do the work? Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we've got to keep patients out of the hospital. We've got to help them, um, give them the resources so that they can be compliant with their medication regimens or their diet regimens, or, you know, I'd like to see us not say, or, or, you know, not use the term, well, that patient's just non-compliant. Well, there's probably eight reasons why they can't manage their health outside the hospital. And what are those? Right. Is how, how can we help them? Or if, you know, if we think non-compliant, okay, well, that's our cue to go dig into that story more and find resources and help that patient if we can. Um, right. So I think giving nurses the tools and resources to using or to, to make those um to, to help with those decisions and impact those patients is really important. And we need nurses to tell everybody else what those resources are. You know, we have to tell hospital administrators, we have to tell politicians, we have to tell um, our, our lawmakers and decision makers that these, this is what we need and this is why, and we have to be able to have data and we have to be able to tell compelling stories um, to make it all fit together. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also acutely aware of how quickly everything is moving to a virtual world or we're moving to a virtual world in nursing and healthcare in general, but you know, there's virtual nurses now. And so they're helping nurses in the ICU or telemetry units and even medical surgical units care for patients. And then if patients are outside the hospital, you know, they need a device to help manage their medication regimen or um, to talk to their nurse right away and that kind of thing. And I just, I don't want us to lose sight that not all patients have those resources and how do we fill in those gaps? Because otherwise you continue to have health equity issues um, because of the engagement with technology. Good point, right? Not everybody has internet access. Exactly. Mm -hmm. How are you going to get your monitoring done if you can't connect to the internet and then with a virtual nurse who's going to walk you through whatever it is, managing your blood sugar or your INR or whatever it happens to be, right? Or your home dialysis, you know? So a lot of really important technologies that, you know, we need to make sure everyone has access to. And I'd love to keep talking to you all all afternoon. We do have to start winding down. And there's, there's four questions I've been asking all of my guests, and they're not necessarily related to to what we've been talking about, but they can elucidate a lot 
through the through your answers. And since there's two of you, we have to run through them a little more quickly. But I'm going to ask each of you each question. Um, so, Summer, um, the first question is: How do you define success, either personally or professionally? Well, these would have been helpful to know ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where we play the game. Yeah. Um, I would find I find success in feeling fulfillment after whatever it is that I was seeking occurred. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you get through that for a rough patch, and you can look back and say, "Well, that was really rough, but I learned this, this, and this." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll make it brief because I know we've got other questions to get through, but. When we were talking about leadership, I really was thinking about how many times I was a preceptor to a new charge nurse or a new nurse and how they also would go on. Um, well, actually, I'd be a preceptor to a new grad. Uh, I did that many times in my career and almost all of them without fault became wonderful nurses and eventually were great and excited about going into that charge nurse role. So I feel mm-hmm. like a sense of fulfillment in mentoring future charge nurses and leaders as a specific example. That's good. How about you, Terry? Well, Summer took my answer. So (laughs) I I really was going to say that the feeling, you know, feeling fulfilled afterwards or feeling like you accomplished something. um, I'm going to sort of build on Summers to just say, you can look back on whatever it was that you were trying to do and feel a sense of pride and that you gave um, you know, sort of your best to achieving that. It's mm, good. Thank you. And Summer, how would you describe one person who's inspired you in the course of your life? Could be living or dead, famous or not. Just one person who's inspired you. Do you need a name of that person? It doesn't have to be if you don't want to name them. Um, it's funny that I've had a lot of, I don't have any one person. I've never been attached enough or attached may not be the right word, but I've never just followed one person throughout my career. Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. been wherever I'm at. I find someone and, mm-hmm. and admire them. And I would say that there's one right now I'm working with and she handled a situation yesterday that I could only dream of handling it that way in a tough situation with some big personalities. And she didn't let herself be overspoken um, mm-hmm. or interrupted and she got her point across and by the end of the conversation they had a path forward and so uh, I think just her ability to handle that big moment was something that I will work to achieve myself that's nice I like that yeah it was real real in the moment kind of response and how about you Terry I think um, for all of my life, one of the people that I've been most inspired by is my maternal grandmother, uh, who just was, first of all, the most beautiful person um, inside and out, but who never had an easy life at any stretch. She lost her own mother really young. Mm. Um, Her father remarried and, you know, became part of a blended family. And she um, had a alcoholic husband, like it just really tough life and was the happiest person I had ever had the pleasure Mm. of, of meeting. And, and she found joy regardless of her life circumstances. And I Mm. thought there's a lesson in there somewhere that, that we can all take away from regardless of the circumstances in which you find yourself or that you might have um, difficulty in overcoming. You can still find joy. You can still do all that you can to make 
your life the best possible. Mm-hmm. So I took a lot of inspiration from that. It's a nice, many people have mentioned their grandmothers. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, since Terry had a moment to think about the second question, because Summer was answering, I'll ask Terry this one first and Summer will have a chance to think about. Fair is fair. Um, Terry, is there a book or a movie? It doesn't have to be like a favorite, just anything that's influenced the way you think or the way you live. So I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say two. Um, mm-hmm. But the first one is a book called The Death of Expertise, mm-hmm. which is absolutely outstanding. I encourage everyone to read it. It absolutely was eye-opening to me. Uh, and it, it especially for, for nurses and healthcare practitioners, but professionals of any um, within any profession could really benefit in it provides a deep understanding of sort of how we find ourselves in the world that we find ourselves right now, where everyone can proclaim to be an expert and um, we don't necessarily trust our experts anymore. And it was just Mm. absolutely outstanding. Good. Okay. And um, how about you, Summer? So um, I will start by saying that I really only watch funny movies because I like to laugh. And so Mm -hmm. they only help me laugh and zone out and not think about all of the other tough decisions or things that I have to deal with on a daily basis. But um, one of the books that has really stuck with me throughout all of the books I've read and getting a master's degree and a a doctorate degree uh, is Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Hmm. Um, I'm always, I really like teamwork. I've studied a lot about teamwork and it's that book describes uh, five ways a team isn't working well together. And you can almost always find that person or that situation when things aren't going well. And so it's been very mm-hmm. helpful to move through a nursing career where teamwork is so integral. Hmm. Oh, good one. Okay. Thank you. And Terry, what's a piece of advice you'd give your 18-year-old self if you could, whether she'd listen or not? Oh, that's such a great question. And I think I'm going to stick with sort of that never be afraid to be curious and follow a non-traditional path. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I certainly feel like I did that, but I think that that really is good advice that sort of bears repeating and I've shared with my own children. So, yeah, never be afraid to step outside what you think is your trajectory and explore other opportunities. Mm, that's good. And how about you, Summer? I think I would tell myself to ask why sooner in my life than I started to. Um, I feel like in the beginning of my career, I was just going with the going with the flow and not necessarily saying, why are we doing it this way? I feel like maybe we could have started asking some of those questions earlier on and and been a little further along in some of our, not that I could have influenced all that by any means, but if you know, I just accepted that this is what you do and this is how you do it. And um, I would have been, I would have liked to have been a change agent a little earlier in my career. Yeah. Yeah. Not just agreeing with like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's the way we've always done it. You know, those are dangerous words. Exactly. Well, you know, as I'm raising teenagers right now and they don't accept things the way that they are. I'm like, well, I should have been more like you (laughs) when I was your age. I understand that. Yeah. (laughs) I understand that. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Terry Hankley, Chief Executive Officer and Summer Bryant, President of the Board of the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses, AMSN. It's really lovely to have you both here. And thanks for shedding some light on medical surgical nursing and why it's so important. And thanks for playing my little answer the four questions game. It was a delight. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Keith. Great opportunity. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode. And remember, the show notes will be over at nursekeith.com in the podcast drop-down menu. And I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And I encourage you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction and development. And if you want to become a patron of the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash nursekeith. Really appreciate all the patrons who are helping support the show. We are members of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com, a growing, amazing, authoritative, high quality list of podcasts who are doing great work in the worlds of health and healthcare and medicine. We are adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappiespeason is our social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote, one of my favorites. This one is by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents. May my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful and slightly smoky Santa Fe, New Mexico. Terry Hinckley saying arrivederci from? From New Jersey. From New Jersey, land of my birth. And Summer Bryant saying au revoir from? Westwood, Kansas. Westwood, Kansas. Thank you both so much. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we will catch you on the proverbial flip side.